Good morning. Feels like it's been a while since I've been able to be up here with all of you guys preaching. Because of that, I've got a lot of gratitude I need to express this morning. I know last week we kind of got hit with a little bit of a family emergency and had to rush out of town at the end of the week. And I'm really, really grateful for all of you who sent us text messages, emails, phone calls to check in on us um, as we were dealing with uh, the passing of Jody's granny. Um, I know she's certainly appreciated, so is um, her mother and brother who are with us here today. Um, And also, I want to express gratitude to another individual. Um, I know he's not here, but I know he will watch the message later on, so I want to just brag on him for a minute, because I know he's going to watch this a little bit later. Um, Last week, we had Brett Frostel preach, and he was kind of thrown in at the the deep end, the last minute. He got about two days' notice uh, to prepare a message, and, and he really brought the word last week. I mean, it was a great job. Can we give him a round of applause for that? Yeah. This morning, we're going to be diving back into our series, looking at the book of 1 John. We're going to be looking at chapter 2. But before we, we dive into that, I just want to take us a, a moment to, to slow our hearts and to, to pray this morning. So would you please just bow your heads and your hearts with me? And as we pray, I want you to be thinking about the cross, about the fact that Jesus took that out of love for us. He, he suffered and died. And, and this is the Jesus who knows what it's like to be us. This is the Jesus who's come in the flesh so that he could be the atonement for our sin. And I want you to think about that, Jesus, as we stop to to pray now. Father God, I thank you that you surround us. That you are fighting our battles for us. That you don't leave us out to dry, but that, that you're in the mess with us. We thank you that you are moving in our midst. We thank you for the new life that you're bringing into this church, Father. Father, we have so much to be thankful for. And right now, Father, as we turn our hearts to your word, as we're we're going to be opening up 1 John, I ask that that whatever is of me might be stripped away and that, that you might have the spotlight this morning that your word might be clearly seen to all of us. And so I ask for myself in this moment, I ask for a little bit of courage because I'm anxious for this message because there are things about this message that you've laid on my heart that I'll be honest, I kind of don't want to say in front of a crowd, but I feel like this is what the word is saying and it's it's challenging. So I ask that, that whatever is of me might be stripped away and so that you might clearly communicate to us the, the wonder of Jesus in this word today. It's in your name I pray. Amen. This past Christmas, me and Jody, we traveled back home to Tennessee uh, to celebrate Christmas with family. And while we were there, I had an opportunity to gather together with some friends of mine, um, longtime friends. Um, And we gathered together at Zaxby's and we had some fried chicken and we had some great conversation. And it had been a little over five years since all of us had been together. And so we had a lot to catch up on. And And yes, the beginning of our conversation was all about the new Spider-Man movie, but I mean, who's not talking about that right now, right? But as the conversation went on, it it got a little bit more intimate. It got a little bit more serious. We started sharing how the past five years had turned out for all of us, and, and all of us were kind of amazed as we were looking at how our lives had turned out. I mean, some of us had gotten married, some of us had gotten divorced. Some of us had completed college. Others of us had dropped out. We'd all changed careers and jobs. 
over the past five years. We'd, we'd all gone through some hardships and we'd all gone through some mountaintop highs in our life. And then one guy spoke up as we're all sharing and he, he got real honest and he's like, guys, I don't know if I'm on the right path in life. Because the, the past five years had not gone the way he envisioned them going. And he was looking at his life and he's like, how do I know I'm on the right path? You know, it's been two years since COVID hit. And life is a little different for all of us. Some of us have changed jobs. Some of us have moved across a county, across states, across the country. We've all have gone through different changes in the past two years. And I imagine at one point or another, all of us have stopped to ask, man, are we still on the right path? As your job got more difficult, as you were losing the meaning and purpose behind what you did, as you saw people get sick, as you saw people, you saw the worst in people, did you stop to question, man, am I on the right path? I'm hoping this morning we might find some encouragement to that. Because John is writing to a church, to a people who, are, who have gone through a hard time. Members of their church have left, members of their family have left the faith, and they're telling them, hey, you should not follow what the Bible says. This is not relevant to your life. This is not true. And they're questioning this. They're wondering, is this really the right path? Is this really a God who loves us, who cares for us? And so John is trying to write to them to encourage them to see Jesus. To find the source of the right path in a relationship with Jesus. And so in chapter 2, he begins by sharing with us how we can know that we're on the right path in life. And it begins all with knowing you're in a relationship with Jesus. So he tells us in chapter 2, verse 3, and he says, And by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. If we keep his commandments. Now it's clear from reading the Bible that the most essential need of every single one of us is to have a relationship with Jesus. But how can we know for sure that we have a relationship with Jesus? You see, I'm betting there are some in this room who are just like John's audience who are questioning, hey, how do I have a relationship with you? How do I know that this is real? And John has just laid it out for us. That having a relationship with Jesus is about having the will to obey the commands of God. And that's a little bit different because it's, it's easy to know a lot about God. It's easy to know the story of God, God's redemption, his mercy, his grace. It's easy to even preach about it. But you can even preach the gospel and not have a relationship with this God if your heart is not wanting to follow what this God's saying. You see, Jesus is clearly laying out to us through John that we have to have a relationship with this God, a relationship that is built upon understanding that we are sinners in need of redemption and forgiveness of sins. That there is a God who has the right to tell us how to live. He's the right to be in charge over us. And that we have come pleading for forgiveness and found that in the atoning sacrifice of Jesus. And then we live our lives seeking to make him famous. Seeking to obey what he would govern us and to tell us what to do. And so it may, brings up the question, what does it mean? What are the commands of God? Then what, what does God really want for us? Well, if we flip over to chapter 3, we look at verse 23. Here's what John tells us is the commands of God. He says, and this is his commandment, 
that we believe in the name of his son Jesus Christ and love one another just as he has commanded us. You see, the Bible's kind of laying out right in the beginning right here that there's, we can know we're in a relationship with God by kind of two factors. The first one is, do we have a belief in Jesus? This is not like believing in Santa Claus or the Easter Bunny or anything that, you know, parents, we tell our kids to believe in, right? This is a belief that the language here is being used is an act of remaining in a relationship with God. It's an act that all of your life is shaped with the knowledge that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. He's God in the flesh. He has died for our sins. He's rose again, and now he reigns as king over the universe over all things. And your life is shaped by that truth. It's not believing in Santa Claus. It's not like believing in the Easter Bunny. It's a belief that shapes who you are. You see, God has saved us so that we would obey his will to make Jesus famous because when we have this belief and it has shaped us, everything we do is all about for the glory of God. You don't live for yourself anymore. You live with this question of how can I please God? How can I give honor and glory to what God has done for me? And that leads itself into the second command. You see, when we have embraced the transforming love of God in our lives and we believe in that, that transforming love has a goal in mind that we would extend it out to others. God has shown his love to you so that you extend it out because God saved us so that we would follow his will of loving others. Now that sounds simple. In fact, it's something we say all the time. We're like, yeah, love God, love people. I got that, Mason. We talk about that all the time. Can we move on? Well, here's the thing. Before we rush to think, man, I've got this nailed down. I've got this figured out. John kind of warns us not to rush to assuming that that's what we're doing when he tells us in verse 4. Here's what he says, going back to chapter 2, verse 4. Here's what he says. He says, whoever says, I know him, meaning I have a relationship with him. Yes, I believe in Jesus. Yes, sure, I love others. Here's what he says. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. See, John is telling us how we can be sure that we have a relationship with this God. It's not based on our Sunday morning attendance. It's not based on whether or not you serve in one of the children's ministries. It's not based on how many 20s you throw in the offering bucket when it's going by. We can know that we're in a relationship with God when we have this belief in who God is. And we accept that and we live our lives trying to love others the way God has loved us. And that's the proof. That's the commandments. If we're not doing that, then, then we're lying to ourselves. We're lying to others. And it's possible, like I said, it's possible to attend church your entire life to know all that this has to say and not to have a relationship with God because you don't have a true belief that shapes your life and you don't have a true love for others. Now remember, John is writing to people who are hurting. He wants to encourage them. He wants to affirm them. He says, hey, I want you to know that you are, in fact, on the right path. That, that while those are leaving who are saying church is irrelevant, Jesus is fake. We don't believe in this. This is not the way you should live your life based on the Bible. As people are leaving that, he's trying to encourage them. He says, you guys are sticking to this. Let me encourage you that you are, in fact, on the right path. Because he goes on to say, in verse 5, he says, but whoever keeps word, and him truly the love of God is perfected. And by this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. 
So as our belief in Jesus is more than just, hey, I believe, yeah, there was a guy named Jesus, but I believe that he is God in the flesh, that he is reigning over all things, and I owe my allegiance to him. I've submitted my life to him. That's what it means to believe. When we come to that point and we are loving others, what John is saying is that we can know the proof is in us by our desire to walk and live like Jesus. You see, those who are in a relationship with Jesus strive to live their lives in reflection of the life of Jesus. How did Jesus live? He listened and loved God. He sought to obey the will of God even to the point where he had to die on a cross to obey the will of God. He was willing to suffer for it. But by his obedience, the indescribable love of God is now offered to all of us. And when we seek to listen and love God, when we seek to obey him, when we seek to, hey, I want to believe in you, I want to love others like him, that indescribable love of God is extended out to us as it was meant to be. It's not something we hoard, it's something we share. And that's shared as we seek to obey God. Not to put God into a little sprinkling of our lives in different ways. Jesus is not someone we, we sprinkle into our lives to add a little seasoning. You know, like, oh yeah, let me check off the box some Christian. He is not a seasoning to our life. He is your whole life now. If this belief in Jesus is real, it shapes every little aspect of you. It shapes how you treat yourself, how you treat others, how you control your finances, how you raise your kids, how you're a spouse. All of it is shaped by a belief in Jesus. And if it's real, you'll know because you'll ask yourself, what would Jesus do in this moment? How does Jesus want me to be a coworker and a friend to others? How does Jesus want me to handle the pain and brokenness in my life? When we find ourselves asking those questions, we can know that we're in a real relationship with God because we want his will in our lives, in every area of our lives. And John goes on, he says this, that this is not something new that he's making up. This is something that has been clear from the very beginning. In verse 7, he tells us this. He says, Beloved, I am writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is the new commandment that I am writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. He says, as we come to believe in this God and we seek to obey his will to love others, then God is doing something with that. God is in the process of fixing this world and setting this world right in a very patient way when we come to surrender more and more of our lives to him. When we come to say, God, you know what? Here, here's the brokenness of my life. I offer it to you. Help me in this brokenness to love others like you have loved me. God is doing something to gradually fix this world. So it matters that you're developing this relationship with God. It matters that you're not taking second helpings on Sunday mornings from the pastor, but, but that throughout the week, day by day, you're hungry to know what God has to say for you. You're going right to the source. You're sitting there like, how, how can I know what God wants from me? Well, you, you got the tool and the resources right here. It's about having that desire. This belief is real. When you have a desire, not just to deal with second helpings from a pastor, but you have the desire to go right to the source and find out what God has to say to your life every day to you. John goes on, he says this, and this is the real challenging part. When we, we get there and we start to think, yeah, Mason, I got this. I've been going to church for a while. I believe in this Jesus. Yeah, sure, I love others. Here's the real scary part. It's in verse 9. 
He says this. He says, whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. It's a shameful reality, but a true one. That is Christians who know of the awesome love of God can turn around and hate another person. We can turn around and hate another Christian, another person in the church. And you might be sitting there thinking, Mason, that's, that's good and all, but I don't hate anybody, right? I don't have a list of people like Sheldon Cooper on Big Bang Theory. He's got a list of people that he hates, his enemy list, right? I don't have that. I'm good, right? But here's what's really uncomfortable. You dig into the language and the syntax here. When John uses the word hate, he's not talking about doing violence or having animosity towards someone or just, you know, like that towards someone. The language used here for hate is about a failure to love. And that broadens the scope, right? Because who among us are not guilty of failing to love someone else? Who among us haven't sat in a room and and with other people Christians from church and you heard some gossip starting to happen about someone else in church and, and people are speaking hatefully and you, you either listen in or maybe you even participate. Who among us haven't done that? Who among us haven't been quick to point out the speck in someone else's eye but ignored the log sticking out of our eye? I'm going to say some things that are really difficult to say, and some of you are going to feel really uncomfortable. In fact, some of you are going to be like, I don't want to look at him, or I'm going to be sending him an angry text and email. I'm never coming back to the church. I get that, but I want you to know what I'm about to say. I say it out of love for you. Some of you in this room are holding on to bitterness and anger and jealousy towards another Christian, maybe even a family member maybe even someone in this room. You do an active job to avoid them. When you hear their name brought up, you cringe up like a Grinch. You go out of your way to do avoid showing them a love like Jesus. And if they make a mistake, even the slightest little mistake, you, you jump on that. You have to tell everyone about it. You have to make it sound so much bigger than when it actually is. How is that showing love like Jesus has shown you love? I'm just as guilty as doing this. And months ago when I was reading through 1 John preparing for this, I I was struck to the core when I got to that. Because here's the truth. God is light and in him is no darkness. And John just says, if we fail to love one another in our church body, then we still walk in darkness. Meaning that we we can know all about this. We can go to church for years, our entire life even. But we can walk in darkness, not in light. We can show that we don't have a real relationship with God, and this is very easy to get into. We justify it. We explain it away. We say, oh, it's because of of what they've done. It's because of maybe how they've hurt me or hurt someone I care about. But John leaves us no wiggle room right here. He's being very honest. He's like, if you hate another believer, you're walking in darkness. And the proof of a relationship with Jesus is not in you right now. 
And, and it's easy to get like this, even for pastors. When I was 16, I was on a mission trip to Kentucky. My youth group was going uh, to different churches and, and putting on this VBS experience. And, and I met the senior pastor there, and, um, and he heard I was interested in going into ministry, so he took uh, a special interest in me. And so one day he found out that, hey, I just got my license, but I didn't know how to drive a stick shift. And so he's like, hey, I've got a truck. Let me teach you how to do it. And so we hopped in his truck and we drove around the block. And I was excited. I was like, man, I get to learn a really cool new skill today. And he didn't teach me a thing. Instead, he used the opportunity to just rant and complain and tell all these hateful stories about the people in his church that he just could not stand. And I'm kind of shocked. I'm sitting there destroying his car engine, and he's ignoring that fact. And I'm pretty sure he had to take it to the shop afterwards with the damage I put on it. Because all he would do, he was using that opportunity. I think he was trying to convince me not to go into pastoring, but I was just struck with the fact that here's this guy who week after week talks about the love of Jesus. But he could not reciprocate it back to others. He had this butt clause. He's like, God, I know you love me, and I love the ones who are easy to love, but the ones who are difficult to love, well, we're just going to stop there. See, it's easy to get like this. It's easy to convince ourselves that we love God and love people, but when it's put into practice, it has to be for all. And that's tough. Now, John is writing this not to, to break hearts, it's difficult to read, but he's trying to encourage his audience, as I'm trying to do right now, because he's trying to get them to see of how wonderful Jesus is and how much Jesus loves them and how much Jesus wants to transform them. And when we understand that, we should see that that means a different way of life, something different than anything else that's seen outside of the church family. It's built around a love for others. And in this, we kind of see, as he's been trying to show us how we know we're on the right path, we kind of see it's all about love. And that's encouraging because it tells us that we can be sure that we're on the right path when love for others motivates us. Let me say that again because some of you, you're in that stage of life right now where you're questioning, am I on the right path? Am I going the right way? Am I doing what God wants me to do? Let me say this again because this is a very powerful statement. We can know for sure that we're on the right path when love for others is what motivates us. Right now, it's easy to be motivated by all sorts of different things. We could be motivated by our self-interest, our self-glory, our reputation. We could be motivated by sex, money, and power. And we can easily bring that stuff into the church body. We'll disguise it as love, and it's no wonder that church can be messy sometimes. But when the motivation is true, that we do things out of love for others because we want to show the kind of love that Jesus has given us and we're trying to do our best and that there's something powerful in that. It changes lives. As many of you know, I'm a big fan of the Lord of the Rings. Some of you know really how much of a fan I am lately and um, that's an inside joke for a few of you. You know very well. Um, and so I, I'm a big fan of the Lord of the Rings. And in the second movie, towards the end, there's this moment where Frodo and Sam, it's toward the end, uh, end of the movie, and Frodo has gone blinded by the ring. He can't see how he's acting towards others. He can't see how this force is twisting him. And he gets to a point where he almost kills Sam, his best friend, the guy who's been through thick and thin with him, who's, who's fought by his side and... And in this moment, Sam gives this speech 
as they're looking at this insurmountable wall of darkness and they're questioning, are we on the right path? Did we take a wrong turn somewhere? Is this really what is asked of us? Sam gives this speech. It's really inspiring. He's like, the darkness is temporary. In every story of heroes and light versus darkness, there's always a moment where it seems like everything seems hopeless, everything seems dark, but that's temporary. The light will shine again, and what's called of the heroes is to keep going in the right path with the right motivations. What a powerful testimony to what we have today. That we can say, you know what, God has loved us, he has transformed us in that love, and therefore we're going to go and show it to one another. We're going to go and find the people who have hurt us, and we're going to say, you know what, I offer you grace and mercy, I forgive you, uh, because I recognize how much God has forgiven me. And I can forgive you because of the amount of stuff that Jesus has forgiven me of, that I can forgive you of this one thing. That's what happens when the love of Christ is involved. It brings us to that point. And so I want to encourage you this morning. You see, some of you, you have made some really difficult decisions in the past few years, maybe in your life. You have sacrificed so much for others, maybe financially, maybe mentally, maybe emotionally, maybe physically. And maybe you're wondering, are you on the right path? And you made those decisions out of love for others. Let me encourage you this morning, you are on the right path. It's difficult, it's painful, I know. But we can be confident in what John has told us, that when we're motivated by love for others, that's like a love that Jesus has shown us. God is doing something with that. And so those of you in this morning who you have a difficult decision before you, maybe it's come up this week and you're sitting there thinking, I don't know what is the right choice. Let me encourage you. Ask yourself, what would be the decision that would allow me to show the most love towards others? rather than toward yourself. Because this is what the right path looks like. The path that Jesus showed us, and this is not common. See, the world will tell you that that your motivations need to be about yourself. But that's not what we saw in Jesus. His motivation was to love God. And in that, show love for us, for you and I. So that we could be here today worshiping him. So we can have a relationship with them, the most essential need that we all have. But you know what? That begins with that relationship. And some of you in this morning, you don't have a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you, this is the first time you've ever been to church. Maybe you've been in church your entire life, but you don't have a true relationship with Jesus. I want to give you the opportunity this morning to get on the right path to have that relationship with Jesus, to understand that that you have sinned against him. He is the king of all things. And in the price for that sin, he has died on a cross. He has rose again. He is the king of all things. And he wants to have a relationship with you that would transform your life and transform every little thing about who you are. So that looks more like Jesus. I want to give you that opportunity. There's two ways. One, in a moment, I'm going to pray. There's going to be elders in the back of the room. I'm going to encourage you or up there if you're up there. You need to talk to someone about having a relationship with Jesus. This is the morning to do it. But maybe some of you, you're really big introverts and you don't want to go talk to anyone. Look, you can take a connection card. You can mark on the box saying, I want to talk to someone about Jesus and we'll be contacting you this week to have that life-changing transformation conversation with you about how you can have a relationship with Jesus and be on the right path. 
But some of you, that's not what you need this morning. Some of you, you're like, hey, I already believe in Jesus, but maybe what God's spirit has kind of told you in his word is that you are having hate towards someone else. You know how you get rid of that? You confess it. You come to God and you're like, God, this is what I've been holding in my heart. I cannot love this fellow believer, maybe even a family member, the way that Jesus has loved me because of what I have in my heart. I'm not on the right path. I've been walking in darkness because of that. I want to give you an opportunity to change that today, to find freedom in that. So maybe that means you need to go and confess it to someone else, but here's the thing. We confess it first to Jesus, and then you need to find someone else that you can trust and rely on who's going to hold you accountable to the standard that Jesus wants for you to love God and love people, who's not going to put up with your hate for others, who's going to say, you know what, you need to love like Jesus. You need to understand that God has forgiven you. And you find that person and you ask them to hold you accountable. My friends, we need this. Our world is shifting right now. People are looking at the church and they're asking, are we relevant? We need to show them, hey, this Jesus has changed our lives. We look different now than the rest of the world. And too many Christians don't. But right now, we need to show that we have a love for God and a love for people that's seen within the body and extends out to the community. So maybe you need to talk to someone about having a relationship. Maybe you need to talk to someone about getting rid of that pain and burden that you've been carrying for years that's not eating up the other person, it's eating up you. And you need to release that. I want to give you an opportunity this morning. Let's pray. Father, I find that there are many times I can develop in my heart jealousy, anger, bitterness towards others. But it's not the path that you've called us to live. You called us to, to love God and love people. And I, I'm just as guilty of sometimes putting people in a category of those who are easy to love. But you've made it clear that if, that if we say that we know you and we have a relationship with you, but then we turn around and we have hate and evil in our hearts towards others, then our relationship is damaged. It's It's faulty. Father, I am just as guilty of falling in that trap. Father, I want to be on the right path. And I hope that there are those in this room who want to be on the right path as well, those who are questioning. And God, you've clearly laid out to us in your word that we can know we're on the right path when love for others motivates us. And that is something that is not seen in this world. It's only seen when we have embraced a life-changing relationship with Jesus because of the love of God that has transformed our hearts and it has to burst out of us. So Father, I pray that we might be a church that is in awe of the love that you have shown us and we cannot keep it to ourselves. We cannot hide it, but we have to let it show even to those who are sometimes difficult to show it to, Father. Give us the strength. Give us the courage. And please forgive us where we fall short. Forgive us where we mess up. Help us to remember that those on the outside need as much grace as those on the inside, that those around us need as much grace as we do. Father, we need you. We need you, Father. It's in your name I pray. Amen.